Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Welcome to the Carrots and Cake podcast. I have a special guest here with me today. I have Cassie Joy Garcia, who is somebody I met at a beauty counter event many years ago. I have followed her online as far as her blog at Fed and Fit. And now she is a best-selling author. I'm sure you've heard of her book, Cook Once, Eat All Week. Now she has a new book out called Cook Once Dinner Fix. I actually got it in the mail last week and I've already picked out a ton of amazing recipes. Very excited to get going and try them out. But excited to have Cassie here. We're going to talk all about meal prep and feeding our kids and just making dinner time easier. Um, So I'm going to read a quick bio about her if you don't know her. Um, I've been a big fan for a long time, so very excited. Um, So Cassie Joy Garcia is a New York Times bestselling author. Um, She's also the creative force behind the popular food blog Fed and Fit. Eager to share her healthy living secrets with the world, she started Fed and Fit in 2011. So I have been following a long time. Um, Since then, she became a holistic nutrition consultant and transitioned her personal blog into a tremendously supportive and nimble online wellness editorial, backed by a small but mighty team of writers, researchers, and editors. After realizing that her own struggles to get a healthy homemade dinner on the table overlapped with the same struggles experienced by her readers, she decided that there must be a better way. The Cook Once Method was born and has revolutionized how people cook. She lives in San Antonio, Texas with her husband and two children. So (laughs) welcome, Cassie. Um, Behind the scenes, we actually started this podcast and I realized it wasn't recording. So this is take two. Um, So we had jumped in with talking about our children. um, But do you have um, anything more to add as far as an introduction goes? Um, Yeah, just very excited that you're here. And I apologize for the recording of Oh my gosh, Tina, I have done it literally. I really have. I've done this before. Um, I know. I mean, we were briefly chatting about how like, you know, of all the things on the bio and the resume, the thing that I feel the most, you know, that really guides my day and in a lot of ways guides my work is my identity as a mom of young children. And, um, and that's actually where a lot of the inspiration for this book came from was the fact that, and not that it's meant for parents in particular, I think that there are um, efficiencies that we can all learn from, right? Whether we're looking to save time or money or just energy, mental energy in the kitchen, we'll be wanting to pull together homemade meals. But for me in particular, I was some, for some reason, <clears throat> the time to prepare dinner for my family also overlaps with when my kids need me the most. And it just turned dinner time into this hour or, you know, that period right beforehand when we're plating it, that I just didn't look forward to. And I love to cook, you know, it's my, like I said, my chosen career of 10 years. And I'm like, gosh, I don't like, I can't even muster the excitement to pull this meal together because I'm spending too much money on my groceries. We have so much food waste. I feel like I'm spending too much time here and I don't know how to tighten it down, right? 
And so it was, I, it was something I was struggling with. And I also learned my, the Fed and Fit readers were also dealing with, it was a common issue where folks were like, gosh, why is getting dinner on the table? So challenging night after night. So that's where the inspiration from the book came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can so relate. I mean, I just think COVID alone, just being mm -hmm. home all the time. And I mean, same thing. I started out as a food blogger and there's definitely some nights where I just don't want to cook. And I mean, yeah. if everybody could eat cereal like every single <laughs> night of the week, you know, that would be great. But I mean, I don't feel great doing that every single night. Um, so yeah, and especially with um, my son, he was the pickiest eater um, as a toddler. And nowadays, he does a lot better. I mean, I mean, the kid eats oysters, but he won't eat mac and cheese. So I mean, you know, you got to pick your battles. Um, but as far as your kiddos go, do you have any advice as far as, you know, feeding them, you know, picky eaters, um, you know, how to get dinner on the table that you're not cooking, you know, a million different things for your family? Yes. Oh gosh. And this is such a good question. And <clears throat> I, I do want to give the disclaimer that I'm talking from like two data points, right? This is not like I've uh, gone out and extensively surveyed hundreds of children and cooked for them. And what's going to work for one family isn't going to work for the next, but I feel like, and even as I w watch my kids go in and out, cause it changes day to day for them as well, things that they're going to love and some of their behaviors around food. Um, some things that we put into practice that are really helpful are like taking a meal, an adult type meal. So um, let's say chili is a good example. Okay. So there's, um, there's actually a couple chili recipes. There's a really great chill, uh, like a, a beef based chili recipe in the book. And there's also a veggie based one in there. And um, what I would do is of course, when I, when you and I talk about a bowl of chili as adults, we're like, oh yes, like give me the bowl with the toppings, with the mm -hmm. cheese and the stuff. And I'm going to layer it all up. And if you're my husband, you're going to stir it in, which I think is just, <laughs> I blows my mind. I like to take a little bit with each spoonful. Um, once upon a time, he makes my, he made me, what was it? I think it's like a Chipotle type bowl. And he's like, here, honey, I made it perfect for you. Cause I think I was nursing a newborn and he had stirred it all together. And I was like, you, you ruined it. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I digress. So it's like adults, we look for that big bowl of chili, right? And we're like, that looks delicious because we know what we're going to get into. But my kiddos, what I've seen is that they look at it and they're like, this is a big mystery. Mm -hmm. Like, What is in here? I don't understand this. You, there's beans they, like the, you know, they like beans. I know they like meat. I know they like the veggies that are in there and all these other things, but they don't understand that it's all included. And so what I'll do is as I'm making the chili, I will scoop out some of the beans or, you know, just pull it out before I add it to the pot and I'll put it on those pre-portioned little plates for the kiddos so that they can see the beans and they can see the meat and they can see the vegetables and the cheese and the onion, and I'll always put a fruit on their plate so that it creates a little bit of momentum because I know they're going to eat the blueberries mm -hmm. and, or, you know, whatever the fruit of the hour is, but like, um, that helps create some interest, interest in their plate in general. And then the fact that the meal is deconstructed, it allows them to get a flavor for everything. And then usually by the end of dinner and by end of dinner, I mean, four and a half minutes later, they, <laughs> they're like, okay, I would like a, a scoop of your mystery bowl over there, mom, because I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that because my my son, yeah, he'll almost not be afraid, but he's very, 
you know, resistant to trying new things, but I like that you kind of break it down instead of being like, here's the chili, you got to try this. Cause yeah, same thing with him. He'd be like, nope, (laughs) no way. Um, So I love that. And I even, um, I had a call with a registered dietitian who works with children and her big thing was just making the meal like a no pressure situation. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it really does kind of take that, you know, level of pressure, scariness away from it because it does become, you know, more familiar. So I love that. That's a great idea. And it's not perfect. I mean, last night I almost snapped a picture, but I had a, you know, screaming children in the other room. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, we do our best. And then last night my daughter didn't touch her plate and it was one of her favorite foods. It was noodles, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just, that's, I think the hardest part is creating a no pressure situation is like creating her favorite dinner. And what I want to say is gray, but it's noodles. You love noodles. I made noodles for you. Like, I want to say that, but I have to, we have to bite our tongue and be like, okay, you would like an Mm -hmm. apple, you know, like what else, what else can we feed you? Yep. Yep. That's the same way it is in our house. We're just like, okay, fine. (laughs) Move on. Yes. Um, So one thing um, that I love about this cookbook is that there's a focus on meal prep and things that you can do ahead of time. Um, And working with nutrition clients, sometimes that meal prep, even the grocery shopping can just be so overwhelming. So for somebody who's just like, I want to do this, but it just seems like a lot. Is there kind of like a first step as far as taking on meal prep or even kind of like the basic things and can kind of get the momentum rolling or just set you up for success? Yes. You know, I totally understand that it can feel very intimidating thinking about this entire process, especially if you're not doing any of that right now. Um, Let's say you're going from 100% takeout just for the sake of an example. And maybe there's folks listening that are, I have been in seasons of my life where I've been there Um, Two, I'm going to start making a bunch of meals and I can definitely feel very intimidating. And so I would say there are some basic principles I think that you can adopt to make things a little bit easier for yourself. And that would be like, um, grabbing a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store. I'm not saying you need to roast a chicken if it's in the budget, right. But grabbing, cause pre-prepared foods are tech. I would, I consider them a luxury food, right? So the de-seeded pomegranates is a luxury food. Mm-hmm. Um, the rotisserie chicken, things that people do for you. And then that you get already done. Um, but I would say grab the rotisserie chicken and then see how you can break that chicken apart into two different meals that really interest you that feel really easy. Right. And so that's what this whole concept is about, is about making getting dinner on the table in your own home as easy on you as possible, but also giving yourself a really flavorful, really fabulous meal that you're going to love. And so maybe you pull together a teriyaki chicken bowl you know, like, hot dang, I made this. This was so good. And it was so easy to pull together. Um, and so that's kind of the basic thought process is like, okay, I think I, I saw ground beef on sale. I'm going to get three pounds of ground beef. And I'm going to crumble it. And I'm gonna see what I can do with all this crumbled ground beef, you know? And then on the extreme side, if you're really looking to dive in, I, I would sit down with not, it's not extreme necessarily, but the next step would be to sit down with pen and paper and actually make your plan. There's so much power to meal planning doesn't have to be this huge involved process so much as it is literally, if you take the words, literally planning your meals. 
And I say, do this when you're rested and it's quiet. If you have any of those moments in your home, I have very few of them, but, um, sit down and I'll write down. These are the dinners. Dinners are usually where, um, I struggle the most, but these are the dinners I'm going to make on these days. And this is how they're going to work together. Like that rotisserie chicken. I'm, I'm splitting it in half across Monday and Wednesday. So we're breaking it up a little bit. And, um, and it just makes everything that much feel more like a downhill slide through the week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That is great advice. I love a good rotisserie chicken. So, um, for somebody who is not super into meal prep, or maybe they didn't have time to meal prep that week and they're really just winging it. What's your go-to freezer meal or pantry meal, something that you can literally throw together when you just don't have food in the house. Yes. We keep these frozen dumplings, uh, in the free- frozen dumplings in the freezer, would you guess that's where they're stored? Um, but we keep these dumplings on hand. It's the, the brand, I cannot remember if it's real good foods or feel good foods, but they make these dumplings that are delicious chicken dumplings. They make a vegetarian one, which are also good, but I like to lean on this as the protein component for the meal. And I will, when we need a pinch hitter, we'll just pull those out. My family goes through two boxes of them. Definitely a luxury item again. Um, but put them in a skillet, cook them down really quickly. And then I will usually serve it alongside. I'll just put up, open the veggie drawer and see what we've got. Right. And sometimes that is a, um, like those, gosh, like a slaw mixture. And I'll turn that into a quick stir fry. Or if I'm out of all the vegetables and I've got nothing, it's maybe I'll just make white rice and call it a day. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. We're the same. I mean, we just grab stuff out of the freezer. I think we're big, like frozen pizza people or, um, you know, bands of pasta, like one of those or, you know, brown rice pasta, something like that. But yeah, same, just, just winging it as far as like what we can find in the freezer. Um, another question that's kind of related is there's a great section in your cookbook about substitutions. And that's kind of the way I cook, you know, I'll see a recipe and be like, well, I don't have X, Y, and Z. So we're going to put, you know, A, B, and C in, and it just, you make it work. Um, but for people who are, afraid of like messing up a recipe. I think about my husband, my husband loves, I actually loves to cook and he's very much like the rule follower, like needs to follow the recipe to a T and will kind of like freak out if he doesn't have exactly what he needs. Um, Do you have any advice for, you know, these people that are kind of like afraid of messing up a recipe or don't know what to substitute or just maybe like a pep talk as far as substitutions go. They usually do. It's still dinner. You know, whenever I goof something up or I don't even think of it as goofing something up, I think of it as, oh, well, this is what we're having. I thought we were going to have this thing over here. I thought we were going to have this super saucy chicken pasta dish, but we wound up having something that looked a little bit more like a casserole. It's still dinner, you know, and I would still give yourself a pat on the back if it still tastes good. And, and it still feeds you and whoever else you're feeding for dinner. Then I say, pat yourself on the back. You still made dinner. And that's the biggest goal here. Um, my recipes are, I really, I really actually do write them with the intention of you, of holding them loosely so that you're able to make them work for you. Um, and I understand wanting to follow something to the letter and make it exactly, my husband is exactly the same way. Um, and what I try to tell him is I'll be like, oh, honey, we're going to have this, 
let's just say chili again, right? Like the recipe is on this page and he'll flip open the book and he'll be like, but but we have ground bison. We don't have ground beef. I'm like, that's, that's okay. Or like, we don't have the carrots. So I don't think we can make it. And I was like, oh, but we can. <laughs> like, <laughs> those kinds of things. Um, I say, if, if, if that sounds very, uh, gosh, challenging to you to just kind of wing it and to go with the flow and to make edits to recipes on the fly, then I encourage you maybe like think about cooking in the kitchen as a different experience than maybe the way you're approaching it. Like if you're a very exact person, my husband is a very exact person. I tell him like, honey, think of this as a, a chance to just let your hair down and see what happens, you know, like follow the steps, follow the, like the cooking methods as closely as you can and follow things like salt, the amount of salt as closely as you can and the amount of liquid to dry, you know, follow that as close as you can, but the rest of it is meant to be played with, you know, and it's still going to be dinner and it's still going to be delicious. And I'm going to be so grateful that you made it that I didn't have to. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I always say too. I'm like, I don't care. I didn't make it. Exactly. It's perfect. It's perfect. Um, So a question I got from Instagram um, was about leftovers. So I am a leftover lover, but I know some people really don't like them. Um, Any advice as far as spiffing up leftovers? I mean, obviously your cookbook does a great job as far as leftovers go. Um, But for somebody that's just like, "Mm, I don't know about leftovers. You know, I think that it depends on what the leftover is. If it's leftover, gosh, something really particular, like a tortilla soup, you know, something that's already a totally composed dish. If that's what you've got leftover in your refrigerator and you know, you're not going to be very into it. I say, freeze it pack it. As long as you're within like a three day window, um, I say, pack it up freeze it because you will want that tortilla soup probably at some point in the future, you know, and put it into your lunch pile in your freezer or your future dinner pile in your freezer. Or if you're in, I'm in the season of having babies, you know, we're expecting our third in a few weeks, but like, I'm always thinking, gosh, that'd make a great dinner at some point in the future. We might be tired of tortilla soup now, but I know that in four weeks, we're going to be so grateful to have that ready to go. Um, So if it's a particular dish like that, I say store it for later. If it is something that you can adapt. So let's say you made a brisket, you went for it, you made a brisket. And if you have not ever made one, I've got a couple methods for you in the book that are just gonna really, I think, make you feel very taken care of because it's very simple and you're gonna get great results in, in making a brisket. But briskets tend to yield a lot of protein. And so let's say you make this brisket and you have the slaw with it on night one. And I also have like a no stir cheesy polenta that I serve it with on this first meal. And then you have all this leftover brisket. You could of course eat brisket, slaw and polenta a whole nother day for your whole family. Or if it's, you know, maybe you're just feeding yourself several days, or I say trim down the amount of side dishes you make. So don't overdo it on the polenta and the slaw, but have all that brisket. That's the hardest part. And when you have a base protein, just think of a creative way you can repurpose it. So you've, if you've already got it thinly sliced, now you've got thinly sliced beef. I, my mind automatically goes to Asian inspired dishes. So making, taking either maybe your favorite teriyaki sauce out of the pantry or making a really quick one and pan searing that brisket, 
crisping it up, tossing it in a sauce, serving it over a fluffy white rice with some steamed broccoli. Like now you've got this teriyaki, beef teriyaki bowl that you get to serve that's totally different, miles away from that barbecue style meal that you made the first time. And so just think about how you can repurpose and reimagine those main ingredients if they are basic proteins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a great tip. And I mean, that's something um, I talk with my one-on-one clients about because like protein is like the hardest thing because you do need to have it in your house. You need to cook it. You need to prep it. I mean, most sources of protein need some sort of preparation for the most part, unless you're consuming like a lot of protein powder or something like that. Um, So I think that's a great tip. And then, yeah, just, you know, you know, adding a sauce or a veggie or the rice. I mean, I feel like we are big white rice people. <laughs> We're like, just throw some rice with it. You know what I mean? And like, yes. you know. Um, so question. So I'm pretty sure we share a gluten-free diet. I think you eat gluten-free. Um, I do. do you have any advice for somebody getting started with a gluten-free diet? This is something that, you know, I work with clients one-on-one, um, you know, gut issues, hormone issues, thyroid issues, things like that, where, you know, people will tend to gravitate more towards the gluten-free diet. Um, And it can be super overwhelming if you're used to eating, you know, bread and pasta and cereals and things like that. Do you have any advice for somebody getting started with a gluten-free diet instead of, you know, feeling like totally overwhelmed and like you can't eat anything anymore? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, if you're, I totally get that feeling. And if you're getting started now, just, I want you to just know how fortunate you are that you're getting started now versus 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tina's nodding her head. Like we had to make everything. If we wanted a tortilla, we had to make it. Um, if we wanted a waffle, we needed to make it. And it was usually there and gluten-free, uh, flowers were not readily available. And so we were also making our own flour mixtures. And so I would just know, I want you to know that you're actually very well supported by industry right now. Um, there's lots of options for you. And what I would advise you to do is look at, think about the foods that you're used to eating. And I'm sure that if you're working with somebody like Tina, for example, you, there's, that's so much more than just um, swapping out major ingredients like this, like a gluten-free flour for, or a non-gluten-free for gluten-free. But if you're just looking to take a baby step towards it, look at the foods that you are eating the most. So maybe you have a sandwich every day. So sorry. Maybe you have a sandwich every day. Maybe you have cereal every morning for breakfast or something like that. Go find a gluten-free equivalent for both of those things, for the bread, for the cereal that you like, and get that incorporated into your lifestyle first. And so I, I really like to lean into one-for-one swaps before we start really reworking everything, you know, um, instead of saying, okay, I hear you that cereal has worked for you for the last 12 years, but I need you to start making eggs and kale and all of these other things for breakfast. I think sometimes it's helpful to start with a one-for-one swap and there's lots of options now. Like I said, there's some great, I, I never thought, not that I never thought I was really hopeful and I'm glad we're there that I could open up my pantry and see the day where I've got cereal on my pantry shelf, you know, and I didn't know that that was going to be a possibility. Yeah. 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 That's so true. There's such better options out. I mean, I gave up gluten probably 10 years now and yeah, I remember, you know, making (laughs) pancakes and waffles and bread and oh my God, like dense almond flour bread. Oh my gosh. 
like we've come a long way as far as like gluten-free options go. Um, so a couple quick questions from Instagram about some of your favorite recipes in okay. this new cookbook. Um, so you've a, a favorite casserole recipe in here or maybe even in your other cookbook. I do. Yes. So the one that my husband requests that I make the most, actually, it's a white chicken enchilada casserole. I saw that. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, Tina. It's so yummy. So it's in the poultry chapter. And what we do is, so the whole dinner or the whole book cook with dinner fix is organized by what I call dinner series. So they're like pairings of dinners that work really well together. And this dinner series, it's in the poultry chapter and it calls for any, really any cut of chicken that work that you can shred <laughs> really at the end of the day. Right. I think the recipe particularly calls out chicken breast, but you could use if chicken thighs are on sale or you prefer them, go for it. If chicken tenders are there, go for it. Um, but my hope is that you're strolling through the grocery store and you're like, oh my gosh, my favorite chicken breasts are on sale. Go ahead and grab three pounds of them and cook them down, shred it. And then you've got all the shredded chicken, half of it. We're going to split it. Meal one is this, um, sloppy Joe chicken, sloppy Joe sandwich. And it's this really simple, straightforward, sloppy Joe sauce that we just toss the shredded chicken in and then serve it over. I like to toast the buns again. We've got great gluten-free buns these days. Mm -hmm. Um, toast the buns, put a little drizzle olive oil on it and a little crunchy sea salt, bring it to life. And then I make, I like to have a fresh component with every meal, but like this fresh ginger and carrot slaw serves over that one. And then meal two, when you're ready for it is my husband's favorite slash my favorite, but it's this white chicken enchilada casserole. It's essentially how I make lasagna at my house is I use tortillas instead of noodles. That's probably offensive to real Italians, but like it's essentially relayering. It's that's the concept, right? And so we use the shredded chicken and I just toss it with some Mexican style spices, some oregano, some cumin, garlic, things like that. Bring it to life layer it on top of some corn tortillas. And I make this really yummy white sauce with sour cream and some milk and some butter and some cheese. It's very delicious. Layer it all up, bake it. And then I serve that with an avocado and tomato salad or salsa, like essentially just a really roughly chopped one that we get to serve on top of it. And it's so delicious. Oh my gosh. That sounds so good. Yeah. I saw that in here. So maybe we'll do that next week. We have, um, the sesame chicken with rice and then yes. the cheeseburger pie, which, oh my gosh, so excited for that. <laughs> I think we're making that tonight actually. Oh, um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many good recipes and they're so um, tasty. And I love how you, you know, cook and then you have um, the leftovers or like the variation of that meal. It just makes life so much easier. So, so many good recipes. Yay. <laughs> Very excited about that. Um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, I do have some personal questions just because I, like I said, I followed you for a million years now. Um, and I remember the blog days and, you know, even like the paleo days and all that. And I just, you know, being a mom and a business owner, it's, you know, it's hard work. It's, it's crazy at times, but you've built this amazing team. I mean, you acknowledge them in your cookbook. I mean, it just seems like you guys have done so much as far as, projects and cookbooks and all that. So I was just curious, um, as you know, being a working mom and all that, you know, how you're able to do it all. Um, but then also, you know, any advice for just hiring and growing this kick-ass team, I guess. 
Oh gosh, it's such a good question. I <clears throat> knew, I always was bent towards a direction of wanting Fed and Fit to, I wanted to use it as a way to build great jobs for great people. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. And like, and I had that intention on my heart really early on, um, early in those years. And so, but that's slow going. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, right? Building a personal brand is such a slow process um, and starting from scratch can be such a very slow process. And so what I have found is that I would hire really a little bit before I felt totally ready. It's interesting going from, and I'll answer your first question also about working mom and, and all of the things incorporated or involved there. But what I found is that when I'm expanding my team and wanting to create a job for somebody, I really look at it as an opportunity to free up my time to be able to focus on other things. Mm -hmm. And that really plays very closely in with this concept of being a full-time working mom is because I, I can't do it all. Like I, I, I can't. And when I started Fed and Fit, I, I was not dating my, my now husband. You know, I didn't know necessarily what life was going to look like. I had hopes that maybe one day I could be a mother. Um, and I didn't know what, what or how that would happen. And I just, but I knew that I wanted to create some space around being able to be home with my children if I needed to. And I, as Fed and Fit grew, you can kind of look down the rabbit hole. There's a moment where you're looking down and you're like, wow, this could be all consuming easily, easily. If I let it, if I wanted to be a one woman show, this could be ever like, it could be all consuming, even not as a one woman show, I could let it become all consuming, but by inviting people in the brand is better by expanding the team. I think that our work product is better. It makes it that we can have a place to work Like there's people to come to work with. Um, and that's really fun and really joyful, but it also allows me to give them an area to focus on. So maybe it's writing or research or project management for particular projects. And that frees me up to be able to focus on other things. And it allows us to build boundaries. Cause what I found is that when it was just me, there was always like the to-do list is always there. And even today, there's always things to do. It's never ending, but by setting up bumper rails, like um, this is so-and-so's area of focus, then it allows me to almost check out for the day. And it makes it easier for me to leave work at work. And then by doing it all, it's such a, as you know, I'm sure you even in saying that it's like such a misnomer because it's not possible to do it all. Um, but what I have found and some really great advice I was given years ago, I was on a business trip and my first was about a year old. And I remember talking to a lady there and I was like, oh gosh, I just hope I'm making the right decision. I miss her. Like, should I really be traveling? I was two days away and she had three older children. And she looked at me and she was like, she's fine. <laughs> she's going to be fine. And it's going to be great for her and her dad. And she was like, and just remember you, you can have it all. You just can't have it all on the same day. And she walked me through that, but it really, that mindset really frees me up to be able to, when I'm at work, I get to focus on being at work. And does this mean that I'm being a great mom in this very moment? No, maybe not. Right. I mean, sure. They're set up with fine childcare. It's not like I locked them in the closet, but <clears throat> you know, like I, I'm not personally the one doing it. I'm also not personally the one right now at home, um, 
doing other things, you know, that, that need to be done. And so I, it allows me when I'm at work, I focus on being at work. And then when I leave my, I communicate to my team that at four 30, I'm out of pocket. I'll be back again at nine 30. You know, if, if, um, the, we have favorable child wins, but like the next day, but like, these are my out of office hours. And when I'm home, I really try to focus on being at home. And that helps where, you know, I get to feel like I have it all, but in, but it's not in the same moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I can relate to so much of that. I feel like I'm at that phase where my business has been all consuming for a number of years. And I'm at that point where I'm like, all right, I need to hire some people. I need to, you know, send projects to different people and responsibilities. Um, and I mean, it seems like you have a great thing going. I mean, was there kind of a transition for you where, I mean, I'm kind of like that type A, a little bit of a control freak as far as like how I like things done. I mean, any advice for like that delegation process, like trusting people on your team, um, just how, you know, yes, like passing off things, I guess that maybe that's like the big thing. It can be very scary. I am also a type A and um, a bit of a control freak. And it feels a little bit, every time you delegate something, it feels a little bit like stepping off a cliff, mm-hmm. right? You're like, okay, bye. Yep. <laughs> you know? I hope it works out. I hope it works out. And what I have found is the things that help the most in those transition, number one is a heck of a lot of communication mm-hmm. and a lot of honesty with whomever you're working with. So let's say you bring in somebody to help write. Okay. That's just what comes naturally to my mind. Cause we're always looking for copywriters and copy editors, but like bring in somebody to help write. I, I own it from the beginning. And I say, I am a type a, and it's very hard for me to release things. And I really am working on it and I'm not going to do this. In, I'm going to do this imperfectly. And I want you to hold me accountable. Right. And just be really radically candid with this other super intelligent human being that you're working with. Um, and just give them that grace. And instead of, I think that the desire is to kind of hide that, that that's going to be a struggle for the person who is delegating. Um, the, I think the inclination is to hide that so that you're, you don't make them feel awkward or uncomfortable because what if it never comes up? What if you rock it? You know, like it, you never know. There's no mold that you have to fit. And so I say lots of communication, also telling yourself this is going to be bumpy and it is, it's going to be bumpy because you're going to do what you think is the best job of communicating what you want done, but you're not going to do it perfectly. And they're, and they're not going to give you the deliverable that you thought that y'all were aiming towards. And so just lots of communication and communicating that like, this is going to be bumpy. We're going to revisit this and just planning on the revisiting. And I think that really helps. And then getting the whole goal is at least at Fed and Fit is not just, um, there's this great book. Oh gosh. Um, rocket fuel, Tina, you've got to, you've got to listen to it. It's like a four ish hour audio book. Um, it's so helpful, but something that they talk about is there's this thing that happens for entrepreneurs when they're looking to scale their businesses, you know, past themselves and they slip into this world of I'm very busy and I have a million helpers, right? 
And I think that what, what we really, what you probably really want is not a, not a helper. You don't want someone to just help you. You want someone who is an independent thinker and can, can think of their own strategies and bring something powerful to the table. And everybody is capable of that, but it's in how you coach them, how you onboard them and how you work with them that will either squash that or inspire more of that. And I think that that's just something great to be aware of. And that book's really helpful just in general. I, cause I, again, I don't, I have not done this perfectly, but those have been some of my biggest lessons learned. Yeah. Oh, I will definitely check that out. I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. And then I just love what you said about just being honest and imperfect. Um, because I have, I have a woman on, um, the carrots and cake staff. She's been with me for, I don't know, five years now. And Lord knows she, <laughs> it has not been perfect. It has been bumpy. Um, but I, I do think just being okay with that and then just, you know, always striving to be better and do it better. Um, because yeah, it's not going to be perfect right off the bat. I mean, none of us know what we're doing <laughs> when we first totally. start out. Um, but anyways, this has been so great. Um, I love chatting with you about all food things, cooking things, business things. Um, curious question. Um, any more cookbooks in the works? Anything fun like that? Oh gosh. You know, I, I'm sure there's something I, but I got, I mean, hand to God, not right now, not on my mind right now. Every time I write a book, my attitude around writing them, cause I throw my all into these mm -hmm. books is I'm just like, okay, we did it. Like I wrote the last one I'll ever need to write. That's how I try to approach books because otherwise, how do you authentically promote it? Mm -hmm. You know, I can't keep anything in on the back burner. I'm sure that there will be something that comes up. The reason this book came about was, um, got lots of feedback from cook once eat all week, folks who really loved it. Yeah. And they said, I really love it, but I wish it had X, Y, Z. And so cook once dinner fix was, my answering really the mail and improving on the concept. Um, so maybe, but, <laughs> but nothing planned. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I just, I just love your cookbooks they are so good. And just, they're so helpful in the sense that you just can look at mealtime differently, or even just the yeah. ingredients that you're using, just like we were chatting about. So um, where can people find you? You can find all of our work over on fedandfit.com. Uh, we have, gosh, thousand plus free mm -hmm. recipes and wellness articles over there. And then uh, as far as social media goes, I'm the most active on Instagram. And my profile there is just fed and fit. Try to keep it really simple. We are relaunching a YouTube channel. Oh, and so cool. there's the fed and fit YouTube channel if you want some fresh videos. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny about YouTube. I'm not much of a YouTuber, but I told my son that I'm on YouTube and his brain like exploded. <laughs> he just thought it was so cool that I was on YouTube. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so funny. I joke with people. I was like, we're going to, we're starting this new thing. I don't know if you've heard of this website. It's called YouTube. It's like Y-O-U tube. Like I feel so late to the game, but Same you know, but might as well. Yes. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Well, anyways, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, check out Cassie's new cookbook, cook once dinner fix, um, lots of tasty recipes inside. And yeah, I will see you in the internet world. <laughs> see you soon. Thank you, Tina.